Hello and welcome back to the Seymour Mongo podcast for episode three. And Mongo, I think last Thursday, a lot of dreams did come true. You know, for a lot of these college prospects and even for these NFL teams, I think they there was a lot of value throughout the draft. And I think teams were able to fill a lot of needs, especially those two kind of big teams in New York. What do you think? Yeah, we, we saw a lot of a lot of fan bases with smiles on their faces after le- leaving day one. And I can't I mean, there didn't seem like there were too many teams that were upset with with their team selections, maybe. Unless unless you followed the Eagles draft a little bit. I don't know if you've seen that clip on uh, ESPN, NFL Network. They've been playing it all over. Did you see where uh, Howie Roseman goes over to uh, fist pump one of his scouts after making a pick, and the scout would not give him a fist pump? Oh no, I, I didn't see that. I think I think there I was a little uh, a little battle in the uh, war room there over which prospect to take. Yeah, I mean that's understandable. I mean, so many scouts are banging the table for guys, and and this. And you have GMs that are trying to make decisions based off of a lot of different scouts' opinions. And and with, uh, like, even though there may have been that one instance of disagreement, like I said, I feel like there was a lot of value for each team throughout the draft. Like, over and over again, I either heard Mel Kuyper or Lewis Riddick. I was watching the ESPN broadcast. But I heard those guys saying, hey, this guy should have been gone in a round – round or two before he was drafted you know like I, I I heard that multiple times and I feel like that was just a common thing that kept happening throughout the draft whether it be the sixth round the fourth round or even the second round yeah yeah I mean like we talked about like uh like so many of these teams weren't able to meet in person we didn't have the group think we usually have amongst teams and scouts so we we're able to just see some guys slide and, and some guys taken really early. Um, and, I, and I think especially just having so many quarterbacks go off the board early. I mean, we had, what, five guys go in the first 15 picks. And when we had another yep. three. Mac Jones was the fifth, yep. Yeah. And then we had three quarterbacks go within, like, what, like 10 picks of each other in the late second, early third round. Yeah, with that run with uh, the Texans and Dave and that and then – is it Mills kid or Sills kid? Mills, Mills. Kid? yeah, Davis Mills. Mills, Mills kid from yeah. Stanford, and then right after that, who was right after that one? Um, I think he was the so I think he was the last one. I think it was Mond, Kellen Mond, and yes, Kellen Mond. Right, they were picked back to back picks, you know. Yeah, and then I think didn't Trask? He was the he was the the first day three, day two quarterback. Right, I think he he was the last pick of the second round, correct? Down to yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. So with the draft being over, and as we've told our listeners and fans. Billions of fans. Millions of fans. Millions <laughs> upon millions of fans. We we are able to talk about the Giants and Jets pretty well. You know, that's where that's our wheelhouse. That's that's a lot of our uh, knowledge, I would say. Yeah. So why don't we go right into first down? And Mongo, why don't you talk about a little bit of the uh, Giants draft and their picks? Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is, I'm kind of recovering from some of the emotions that come on draft day. I just seeing the Philadelphia Eagles jump up and trade with our one of our division rivals in the Dallas Cowboys. So they I thought that up. was amazing, by the way. Loved that part of the draft. I Continue. that was something like you couldn't just you couldn't foresee a divisional trade go down like that. Like, it was yeah. It was very like I remember and I guess I knew the draft order, but it didn't really click to me that it went 10, 11, 12 NFC East to begin with. Yeah. Okay? So that was kind of like all of a sudden I saw that. I was like, holy cow. Like that's pretty cool. You yeah. know, it had just occurred to me. I don't know why it didn't didn't do didn't before. But then to see Dallas trade up with Philadelphia and interdivision trade, like they're like if you're Philadelphia, you're trading with a division rival who's gonna pick somebody who you're gonna play against most likely, you know, hopefully for the next 10 years if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Like you just gave them that player. Or I'm sorry, Philadelphia traded up with Dallas. I think right. I, I think I reversed that. Yeah. But you know, like you're you're trading that pick to somebody you're gonna play against for the next 10 years. I just think that's kind of amazing. I was definitely not amazing for Giants fans, I would say. <laughs> but I think at at looking now, having the Having coming back from that emotional roller coaster that is is day one of the NFL draft, I think I'm feeling a little better. I mean, I was a high, I was pretty high on Devonta Smith. I took him in our mock draft that we mm-hmm. did last week for the Giants. He would have been a really solid pick at eleven if the draft had stayed in the yeah, original order. Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I think he you know he fit our system so well. He fit our just what we want out of football players and and Dave Gettleman was going to pick him at 11 if if not for that um so the Giants decided to trade back with the Chicago Bears picking up an extra one next year I think an extra four next year and a five uh this year and um and so they, they came up and took Justin Fields, and we moved back, and we took Kadarius Toney out of Florida. Mm. Interesting pick, in my opinion. Very, very interesting pick. This is a guy who, who hasn't been playing receiver that long. He came into Florida as a quarterback, so he's still pretty raw. But when you watch him on film, he does splash and flash <laughs> and – he has a lot of talent and a lot of potential, I think. He's dripping with mean, it. He's dripping He away. was somebody before the draft had occurred that at the Jets at 34, or, you know, I kind of thought, hey, maybe he's a consideration at that spot in that second round, early second round. So he's definitely got some talent for sure. Yeah, he does. And um, we saw Florida get him the ball in a variety of ways, whether it's passing, running out of the backfield, or um, being split out wide, returning punts, returning mm-hmm. kicks. So, I mean, he's a, he's a throwback player. I think that he's kind of like this new wingback that we see, or I guess 
old win, wing back. If you, since it's kind of the return of the wing back with a guy like Debo Samuel, right, and Ayuk, yeah. like guys who are going to be able to to do that jet sweep stuff. And, and he's one of those guys you need to get the ball into his hands, just right. you know, any way you can, and he's going to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, him and Saquon, those are going to be your two X factors on offense mm-hmm. where you're going to just try to scheme up touches for them, especially. I am going to say that I think this pick puts a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones <sighs> because you do have Saquon, you do have Galladay now, and now you have Tony. Yeah. So it's one of those things hey, you got weapons, kid, you know, let's see what you got. And yeah, and adding on to that, like trading a first round pick next year. I mean, now the Giants have two first round picks next year and uh, a few picks in the mid rounds from some of their other trade backs. So, I mean, there's, they can, if this doesn't work out next year, I mean, they're really setting up to be able to move up to get a quarterback next year or to, to maybe trade for one. Right. So why don't we move on to your uh, second round pick with the Giants? Um, who'd they go with there? Yeah, so we traded back again and got uh, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, the edge. That was a huge value. I, there was a lot of talk about him going in the first round, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was talked about potentially being the first edge at one point or mm-hmm. for some, even for some, some analysts or on some team's boards. But he had I some feel- injury concerns. I feel like this was the pick that got the most chatter. You know what I mean? Like in any analysis or recap um, shows that I watched, I feel like this got the most chatter for, for the Giants is the second round pick in Agilari. Yeah. I mean, I think that people just love the value and love mm-hmm. the, we, we met a team need really well. Cause I mean, receiver, you know, it was a need, but not as much as the edge. I mean, we had we had a seventh and a sixth round pick playing edge for us last year. Yeah. So like this was just such a big upgrade and 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 other than the injuries, I mean, that was the only thing that was really a question mark about him, especially taking him in the second round. I mean, that is that would be a no brainer if not for the injuries. Right. So um, at pick 71 in the third round, he went Aaron Robinson out of UCF. And the fourth round pick, you got Ellison Smith out of UNI. Yeah, uh, Northern Iowa, I believe. Yep, Northern Iowa. Yeah, he's a, he's an edge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll start with Robinson. I mean, these, these picks are a little different just because Robinson's more of a – I mean, he didn't test pretty well and – but they just love they love his scrappiness, his competitiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, they we moved up to get him in the third round. So three these are three trades by Dave Gettleman. So, says says yeah. the guy who doesn't trade back. No. Do any, yeah. You know, draft day movement. Yeah, I saw Joe Judge. So Joe Judge in his uh, the press conference after the draft. I think it was after day two. He was like, Yeah, we have to check Dave Gettleman for a concussion to see if he'll tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it was, we have a really deep secondary room. That's honestly, other than the defensive line, I mean, you could, you could argue that's our best position group. 
uh, for our, on our defense is our secondary, just how loaded we are at safety and corner. We just right. added that competition with, with Robinson. And, and so Ellerson Smith's a little bit different. He's, he's more of a, uh, a raw edge just playing at a lower uh, conference, but he was a guy who's going to test, he was going to test really well if, if we had the combine, but he didn't have that. So it kind of went a little more under the radar, but mm-hmm. he's big six, six. Um, just, he's got a lot of, he can put a lot of weight on that frame and yeah, I mean, he's somebody who would have probably moved up draft boards a little more if it was a normal off season. I mean, he didn't even play this year, uh, because, um, his conference, um, didn't have any game. So the only film that we had was 2019 and then he participated in the senior bowl. Right. So, yeah. So I think it's a, honestly not too, I mean, him and Aziz Ojolari, not that dissimilar in terms of what the Giants are going after there on the edge. Just got long, long guys who will be able to pin their ears back and, and really create some separation between them and the tackles. Right. You can never have enough, enough edge rushers for sure. Yeah. You know, that goes I mean, for the Jets. And look, the at, look, at, look at how the Giants beat Tom Brady in those two Super Bowls. Yeah. So yeah, look how look at Tampa this year with their edges. Right. I mean, that's what that's what killed um, Kansas City. You know, they couldn't protect um, Mahomes in that Super Bowl. They were getting, you know, he was getting pressured throughout the entire game. So I don't think the Giants doubling up here on edge early in this draft will. I don't think that's a bad decision at all. Yeah, yeah. As a Jets fan, it's it's easy to agree with. with Absolutely. At the edge position. So moving on, looking like you had two six-round picks, correct? Yeah, yeah. So we're just, we just talked about the edge position. Now we're talking mm-hmm. about special teams. Yeah. I mean, edge and special teams are are two things that will really just. I mean, that's how you win ball games, right there. Getting after the quarterback and field position. Right. I mean, look at look at Kansas again. Look at Kansas City. <laughs> Look at their special teams unit. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Kansas City consistently pinned within their own 10 or within their own 15? You know, they're always going to have that punt returner. They're always going to have that kick returner. They're always going to have that coverage team, you know? So. Yeah, that's what made the Patriots great for so many years is they had, they you just had the, the better coverage units and the smarter coverage units throughout the years. I.e. Matthew Slater. Matt. <laughs> future future hall of famer matthew slater you know that that's one besides edelman that's one that i will give the hall of fame is matthew slater you're you're a special teams hall of fame guy absolutely let's get him in there how many plays has he made throughout the years count countless plays and and we're hoping that our two picks gary brightwell running back out of arizona and rodarius williams from ok state uh corner safety um those are guys who played a lot of special teams in college. Uh, Rodarius, many of you might know his brother, his younger brother, Greedy Williams, um, who's mm-hmm. playing for the Cleveland Browns. Who has been very good. Yes. Yeah, he was somebody I really liked coming out. Um, Rodarius has kind of been a little more under the radar. He's a lot – he's very old for a rookie. He's actually older than me. I, I just want to point that out, but – 
Okay. Yeah. I'm two years removed from college and I'm still younger than some of the the players being drafted. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. <laughs> if, if, so, if Brandon Wheaton was coming out, you might have a chance. I think, I, you know, looking back on that, I think I am younger than Brandon Wheaton was when he was drafted. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm in good shape there. So yeah. out of this entire draft class, Mongo, who was who's the pick that gets you most excited, and who's the pick that's kind of like, uh, I've got a little bit of a question mark about. Um, yeah, I I think I think it's gotta be Kadarius Tony. Okay. I just just starting to look at that's it. your question mark pick. No, that's my favorite pick. That's your most excited. Okay, that's your most yeah. excited pick. Okay, might be my he's one of my bigger question marks as well. Okay. But I just feel like with him, I mean, just I we haven't had a guy who can get the ball in their hands. We've had just we've had a lot of receivers who do one or two things well. Yep. You know, Shepard grade the slot, but doesn't really bring a lot other than than the slot. Yeah. Very Sladen. He's our deep threat. We haven't seen him really be able to run inter intermediate stuff quick game as well i mean he just really excels um on the deep ball and and i think even galladay i mean galladay is a great receiver but you know he's a he's a catch point guy you know right i feel like tony you're gonna be able to hopefully develop him i mean again he hasn't played the receiver position that long and i think him you said he went. He came into Florida as a quarterback, correct? Yep. So that I think can only help him. You know, like he's. I think he understands the defenses that he's looking at better. He's going to understand. You know, where he might be able to. You know, anticipate where the hole in the zone might be if they're playing. You know, if they're depending on the opponent. Yeah. And you know, like. I think he might be able to strategize and play his game better because he understand he might be able to understand the game at, from a quarterback's point of view. No, I definitely agree, and I think you see that in his game just just reading leverage and 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 just some of the quarterback stuff, some of the quarterback runs. You can just see how he's just very natural with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. So overall, what do you think? What's what's your summary? I would say of your uh, New York Giants draft class this year. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying before, I think it it seems like an edge. We're trying to get longer. We're trying to get stronger. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah, we're trying to get guys who will be able to to hold up, but also be able to to get after the passer with with some of their length. Right. And I then. Mean, yeah, and then then I think we're just trying to get tougher as a team. And we, I mean, Tony's a tough receiver. I mean, he's he's not going down easy. And and Robinson is very similar on the on the defensive side. He's not gonna he's not gonna yeah. give up on 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 plays. You definitely got some scrappers for sure. You know. Yeah. Um, and I mean that in every good sense of the word, as I as there can be. Yeah, I think the one thing I'm disappointed in is just. With our with our seventh with our late round picks, I just feel like we're not taking 
like shots at guys. Like we're just kind of going mm-hmm. after guys who will be solid on special teams and that we can count on. Right. I wish that we took a, a, a few more swings at the bat with just. They're not you know, as high of impact guys is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to, we know that they, they have limitations, whether it's physically or just, I mean, like for Darius, I mean, he's 25, like, how much more are you going to get out of his game than you already have? And so, yeah, I just wish we took, we took swings at guys for maybe a little higher athletically, but maybe didn't show up on film as much or had less experience. Right. Yeah. Which kind of leads us to second down and my New York Jets draft class. A lot of picks. A lot of picks, like <laughs> almost the entire draft. <laughs> but early on, I feel like the Jets had two different drafts, if, if we're being honest. The yeah. entire first half of their draft was offense, 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 offense. And then all of a sudden someone turned on a light switch and you're like, okay, let's go with defense and let's pick every defensive player that we can find on the board that we like, you know, but. Yeah. It's almost like Salah had the the back end of the draft. Exactly. So they started out with a second overall pick, which everybody saw it coming. Zach Wall Street Wilson. <laughs> Still sticking with that, with that nickname until it starts, you know, happening and being the real thing so zach wall street wilson no it's on billboard yes i might even buy one you know in my town here and put it up you're you're pretty far from wall street so i don't know if that's going to catch on i think it might (laughs) don't underestimate it don't underestimate it but um but they took zach wilson second overall everybody saw that coming um i don't think we have to talk about this pick too much because i think it's been analyzed for the past couple of months yeah but then in the with their second pick in the first round they actually traded up to 14th overall and they took the offensive lineman interior offensive lineman elijah vera tucker out of usc which i am very excited about he is a guy the giants really liked as well i think i'm i at first i was a little like holy cow, we just traded both of our third-round picks to move up for a guard. But then I got to thinking about all of the scrambling and running around that Sam Darnold had to do. And, you know, this Elijah Vera Tucker, um, he's going to be that insurance for Zach Wilson. You know, hopefully Zach Wilson won't have to play that – Houdini escape artist role in the offense. So I was, I was very happy with that 14th overall pick. And then I think when they moved down to the second round, I don't think that this player, they didn't think this player was going to be available with Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Mississippi, Ole Miss at 34. Yeah. I think this pick was a home run. I mean, he is such a good route runner and his catching ability as a receiver, you know, like I know that's what they're supposed to do, but I still feel like you have sometimes you have these receivers that, you know, sometimes they'll say, 
hey, he has trouble with drops or, hey, he has trouble with, you know, focus. Focus. I feel like Elijah Moore, he's a solid receiver already. And I don't think you have to rely on him right away. So I think that value at 34 is really good. Yeah, I mean, you guys have – you guys went after Corey Davis in free agency. Like we talked about last week, you still have uh, Jamison Crowder. Mm-hmm. Denzel um, Mims. Yeah, Mims is developing into that number two role. So, I mean, this is a uh, – Elijah Moore is a receiver who will be able to play in the slot and be your number one – potentially, potentially. We're not going to – I mean, it's easy to get caught up in this, but he's a guy – Who's, who, who who can be a slot, who is also your number one option. Right. I mean, I read, I saw a stat somewhere going into the draft. He was the second rated wide, like wide receiver rating. It was like, I don't know how they do those ratings, but he was like 95.9 on the wide receiver rating scale. Or, you know, I don't know the official name of that stat, but, you know, obviously – he he balled out last year. Yeah, so, a lot of people had him ahead of Tony, who we took in the first round. So I think that that was, I think that was a really good pick at thirty-four. And then you go all the way to the fourth round because we traded our two third-round picks to tra- to uh, get Elijah Vera Tucker, and then you took the running back Michael Carter out of North Carolina. And that is not the last time you will hear this name <laughs> in the pod. But I liked this pick, too. I mean, he's rushed, ran for 1,000 yards the past two years um, in a backfield by committee. So it's not like he was getting every single touch. You know, like he made the most of his touches. And I think that he does, he fits really well with that zone blocking scheme that they're bringing in there with the Shanahan offense in New York. Yeah, he so was really, one of the last running backs. I mean, he he was there was a slew of running backs that went, and you guys were able to get him before a lot of the other teams were able to pounce on running. If backs. I were the Jets, I would have been surprised that he was there, and I think that they were surprised that he was there, and they scooped him right up. Yeah. You know? So this is where the Jets draft kind of shifts to a defensive mindset. In round, in the round, in round five, they had three picks, and they took. Jamie Sherwood, who was listed as a safety on all the draft broadcasts. I see this safety slash linebacker out of Auburn playing more linebacker than safety. Um, He's got a big frame. I think he's like 6'2", 220, something like that. Did you say he has a big brain? Frame. Oh, frame. Okay. I'm hoping he has a big brain, too. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but he's got a big frame. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think, you know, he'll play well in that linebacker, you know, maybe Keanu Neal role. Oh, right. You know, that Atlanta, that, that Atlanta had him in. And then in round five, you get Michael Carter, a second. His son. So, yes, this is the second Michael Carter that the Jets drafted in the same draft. He was a cornerback slash safety out of Duke. So you're going back to that safety you know, hybrid position, which I think they'll play Michael Carter the second out of Duke in the, you know, nickelback position. I love the father-son combination right there in draft. Yeah. We even have some Jets history there with that pick with uh, – I'm just going to ignore that comment out of you. But um, 
we actually have a Jets connection with the Michael Carter the second. He is actually Darrell Revis's nephew. Maybe that played a part. And you know what? I have a little bit of hope that those bloodlines, you know, and heritage make Michael Carter the second into the next great cornerback. And then in round five, you you finished out with another cornerback in Jason Pinnock out of Pittsburgh. Moving on to round six, they also had three picks there as well. They picked the linebacker slash safety again. Hybrid kind of position guy. Hamsa Nasruddin out of Florida State. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I've heard a lot of rave reviews about this player. Um, I, he tore his ACL last year. So he only played a couple games. Um, but going into the year, he was thought to be a very high draft pick, you know, second round, maybe even end of the first round. And the fact that they got him in the sixth round because of that, that injury – gets me very excited. I really want to see what he does on the field. Then yeah. they finish out the draft with um, Brandon Eccles, a cornerback out of Kentucky, and Jonathan Marshall, a defensive tackle out of Arkansas. Yeah, that sounds a lot like your your Bryce Hall pick of last year, a guy who's um, – uh, uh, Bryce Hall, who is projected to go a lot higher and wound up going on day three. Yeah, I mean – and I've watched, you know, I've heard, I've heard the hype around this uh, Nazarene kid. So I've watched a few highlights, watched a little bit of film on him, and he seems like he can be the real deal. You know, if he can stay healthy and he can adjust to the pro game, I think that he could be a real steal in this draft for the Jets. So. Yeah, so what's your favorite pick out of all those? My favorite pick, you know, I'm between two of them. I'm between. Um, can I take two? You can take – I mean, you guys had so many picks. I think it's only fair that you take two. Okay, the two picks that I'm most excited for are obviously Elijah Moore. You know, I think that he's just going to bring a different element to this offense, you know, getting open in, you know, third down situations, you know, the special teams aspect. I think he could be a returner if we needed him to be. You know, I think that he could help in every aspect of the game offensively and special teams. And then I'm also really excited about Michael Carter. Which I mean, one? Um, the running back, I'm sorry, out of North Carolina. Um, I just think that he's going to fit this offense so well. I almost – I'm going to make a prediction here and say that he will be the number one running back when the season opens. I can definitely see that. I mean, uh, what is it? Tevon Coleman and Michael P. Ryan right now. Yeah, those are those are big workhorses. So, <sighs> I mean, I can definitely see Michael Carter sliding into that number one slot and being productive. So, I'm very excited about Michael Carter, and I think getting him in the fourth round makes me that much more excited because it might be a steal. I love a steal. My least favorite pick. I don't know if I really have a least favorite pick because I'm not sure how much I know about, you know, like Brandon Eccles or Jonathan Marshall later in the sixth round, but I would have liked them to see, I would have liked the Jets to go more offensive line later in the draft. So I'm going to have to say Brandon Eccles might be my least favorite pick, but, you know, I hope he develops into a cornerback that we can depend on, you know, when needed. But I would have liked to see a little bit more of an offensive line push 
in the back end of the draft. Yeah. You know, overall, I think the Jets did a great job of getting value of each and you know each of their picks and players that I think you can plug in and play right now in in situational football for sure in the upcoming season. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that kind of, that, that leads into our, our next topic. I mean, with the draft coming to a close and, um, and with now, I think, I think starting the beginning of this week, free agents signed will not count towards cons- compensatory picks. So this is kind of, I think you'll see a lot more action there. Yeah. Yeah, so what do we see from the Jets? I want to see more offensive linemen. I mean, Chicago just released Charlie Leno. Yeah. You know, take a flyer on him. I'd love to see some more offensive linemen. Like I said, I wish that was a, uh, the case in the second half of the draft last week. And I'd also want to see some more secondary. I know we took a lot of secondary slash linebacker, cornerback slash safety you know, all those positions, you know, kind of meshing together. But the secondary was kind of brutal last year outside of Marcus May. So I think that the Jets absolutely need to get some more secondary, you know. Richard Sherman still sitting out there, one of my free agents, you know, from past shows. So I would love to see more secondary. And they have the money to spend, you know. Like, I'm not saying they have a ton of money, but they have the money to improve their roster even this late in the offseason. So where do you see the Giants going after this draft, Mongo? Yeah, we don't we, we don't have much cap space left. So it's it's hard to see us really signing any veterans at this point. I think we were only able to sign uh, a few undrafted free agents mm-hmm. as well. So I mean I would love to see us just like the Jets add a veteran offensive line lineman. I mean, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is one of those quarter, young quarterbacks that's running for his life right now. I mean, yeah, last year I feel like he was under pressure more than he wasn't. No, I I agree, and I I think that has to do just. I mean, last year we had a lot of experience on the offensive line. We had mm-hmm. three rookies starting at different points, and nobody, no, we had, at one point we had nobody over four years of NFL experience on the offensive line. Right. Other than other than Zeitler, Zeitler was the one staple, but I think he even might have missed a, a game or two. And not saying that's a need, but playing devil's advocate here, that offensive line being so young, if they could gel together and grow together, that could be special. But that's a big if. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's I think that's just hard because like I mean on draft picks, you're not going to hit on every single one of them. So, I mean, you just know, and even with like, just, just seeing Hernandez, I mean, I just don't know if him being the veteran on the offensive line, it's just, it's just hard to, to see it because, and you just think by now you would have seen more consistency out of his play. And, and I mean, right now our best offensive lineman, I would say has to be Nick Gates and he's an undrafted reagent from a few years ago. And, we just need that, that that steady hand on the offensive line. I'm hoping that Andrew Thomas can develop more. And yeah, you need that pick to come through from last year. Yeah. I mean, you guys hit on that last year, and 
and now you're feeling a lot better about that left side, especially with the, um, the Vera Tucker pick. Yes. I'm, I'm excited about that one as well. I know he wasn't one of my favorites, but I'm very excited about that pick. Yeah. So talking about dreams coming true, it sounds like in our fourth down topic, Aaron Rodgers has a new dream that he might not be playing in Green Bay. Yeah, so there were, there were, the, the report that came out was that it was on the, on the day of the draft that Aaron Rodgers was basically told the Packers that he wasn't going to come back. I can't see Aaron Rodgers playing anywhere but Green Bay, if we're being honest. And yeah. I mean, that's how we I, about Tom Brady. And I also feel like from all of these reports coming out, Aaron Rodgers won't be in Green Bay. Like, although I can't see him playing somewhere else, I think we're going to have to see him playing somewhere else. It's, I, I mean, how much do you trust the Packers, I guess, to keep him and uh, to play, I guess, play hardball with him? Look at what they did with Favre. Look at, I mean, he came to the, they traded him to New York. They were ready to move on from Favre on to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know, I'm getting flashbacks of that. But like, situation. like you said, they were ready to move on. It, they don't want to move on from Rodgers. I mean, he's coming – this is a, a bit different than Favre. I mean, he's coming off an MVP season. He hasn't hinted at all at retirement. He's – But are they ready to move on without saying it? They took a quarterback in the first round. It's, it's the same thing that happened with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Right, but he, he – then after they drafted him, he won the MVP – he took them to the NFC Championship. I know Favre did also took them Packers to the NFC Championship, but I mean Favre was flirting with retirement a while, and I think the Packers brass were a little more excited about Rodgers than they are about Love. I mean, I I personally haven't heard anything good about Love since he's been drafted. I haven't heard anything about Love, whether it be good or bad. I haven't heard anything about Love. Yeah, I've only seen the highlights of him like missing the net in like training camp and practices and stuff when they're when they're right. those throwing nets up. And how serious can you really take those ones? You know, like no, you can't you can't take it serious. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers can throw it in a trash can from sixty yards away, but yeah, um, but I mean, this is a Packers team that's. I, I mean, I would say they're in their Super Bowl window, especially with how they've been playing on. Absolutely, and I think they, I think they need Aaron Rodgers to finish that. You know, you know, go through that window. But I just, I just don't know with all of these reports and how it came out in the, you know, the Thursday of the draft. I just don't see how it's reconciled. You know what I mean, like. That's a fair point. You know, like, I I want Aaron Rodgers to play with the Packers until he retires. I th- you know, like, it's rare to have a player do that. And How you know, well especially especially a great player. Yeah. I mean, him you and they have just been fabulous together. So my question is to you, Mongo, does Aaron Rodgers have a valid argument, you know, if the case is 
he wants out of Green Bay. Does he have a valid argument? I, I mean, I think he does just because of the first-round quarterback they took last year. I mean, you saw a draft where you had Justin Jefferson go late and he became a, a star immediately. And and you had a team like Tampa, they they took Tristan Wirfs instead of, you know, instead of investing. Instead in of taking Jordan Love. I mean, I guess they invested in a quarterback in the future this year, but it wasn't their first pick. Right, it was the second round pick. I mean, we've seen teams do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Second, they third round picks. Pull up though with those other picks to try to try to make the most of the winning window. Which I don't know. Just looking at the Packers drafts, I mean, they just don't. They don't. They don't seem like they're they're focused drafts. Right. I mean. I understand the argument. Oh, they haven't drafted to help him. You know, him as an Aaron Rodgers. You know, they haven't taken the wide receiver. They haven't taken, you know, the offensive lineman. But you can't say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have weapons. You know, like, I feel like that's one of the big arguments. Like, oh, they, they're not doing anything to support him. But, you know, like, yeah, I feel like that's that argument is solely based on the draft. You know, like, you look at, you know, they have Devontae Adams. They have Aaron Jones. No, the one area I think that they need to improve on. Right. Exactly, Tanya. I mean, but like the one area they need to improve on is the offensive line. So maybe that's where you make that argument that they haven't surrounded him. But I don't know if there's a huge valid argument for him wanting out. I think it's more of a disrespect thing. You know, like, hey, you took him, you took the quarterback in the first round. Didn't discuss it with me at all. I'm one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. You know, I think that's where it is. And I think that that, that means more to Aaron Rodgers than, say, surrounding him with playmakers. I think that that was kind of a chain reaction. Yeah. No, I think that you bring up a, a great point there. And um, I I agree. I think the offense – is isn't isn't what's holding them back i feel like for me personally it was their defense last year i mean mm-hmm. I thought they were really light on the edge i felt like they had good pass rushers but not guys who were gonna be able to consistently hold up on the edge and we saw them get bullied a lot against some of the, the heavy power teams and and especially some of the these zone schemes we saw them just get bullied and and yeah, I think that that's a great point, though, you bring up that Rodgers has the weapons more than any other quarterback. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe not Tom Brady, I mean, but. So I would say that his argument is valid, but there's parts of it that can be understood and other parts that can't be understood. And from a respect standpoint, I think he's got a really good argument of saying, hey, I don't want to be in Green Bay anymore get me out of here so mongo if they get him out of there if they say all right we're we're not going to do this whole veteran star quarterback saga again like they did with Favre, where do you think where do you think he ends up if he goes anywhere i mean we 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 heard the denver reports and it, it seems like from some of the reports he wants to be on the west coast 
I think I think Vegas, I mean, we heard Vegas and Denver and I don't know, it's hard not seeing him go to to one of those teams after the report comes out. It's just it's hard because other teams seem like, you know, they're it kind of already made decisions on the quarterback position. I mean, that's- I was gonna say that. I feel like if this came out a month ago, two months ago, before the draft, we would be talking about a lot more potential landing spots for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But this came out on Thursday, the first day of the 2021 draft, where quarter where teams knew which quarterbacks they were going to be taking. For the most part, you know, you can't say that for Chicago or for the Patriots, but you knew, you know, the top three teams in the in the draft took quarterbacks. Yeah. You can't tell me two months ago you tell one of those teams that, hey, Aaron Rodgers may be available. They're not going to put a package together to get him. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's – that kind of limited his destination choices or opportunities, not choices, opportunities to, like you said, Vegas or Denver. And I think that you're kind of leaning more towards Vegas. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I just I just see the Derek Carr situation coming to a close and and I see Mayock will be a little I just feel like he's gonna be a little more willing to to give up the picks and kind of see his team as something that's team that's gonna compete more. But I don't know, it's just it's hard to look for a fit beyond those two. I mean, we see Miami, they have a lot of picks next year and they've kind of you know, they put their foot in the ring for the um, for the Deshaun Watson sweet stakes at different points. So I feel like Miami would kind of be my sleeper team, just depending on when it is. When- I never thought about Miami. That's a good one. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good landing spot if, you know, this actually does come to fruition. Yeah. I think that my – I think it's not exciting or off the chart, but I think – I think the destination that makes more sense is Denver, you know, um, out of all the teams, I think, you know, they can be most aggressive, you know, they have some players in place. I think that that place may, that team organization makes the most sense. You're out of the NFC. Um, you're going to a team in Denver that wants to compete with Kansas City, you know, Patrick Moss, you are you are doing that with Oakland as well, too. But, you know, like, you're going to play against Pat Mahomes and try to take that division over. Yeah. So, if I were to make a prediction, if Aaron Rodgers is traded, which I do think he will be at some point, All maybe right. not in the offseason, maybe it's a Carson Palmer thing where he's trading in October. You know, if this really is, if all these reports are true, but I think, you know, Denver might be a pretty good landing spot for him. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't argue with that one. So Mongo, we covered quite a few topics going from Giants draft, Jets draft, free agency after the draft and Aaron Rodgers. I think that pretty much wraps up our last week in the uh, NFL over here on the East coast. Yeah, yeah, we I think we we hit on 
we hit on probably the biggest event that's going to happen until probably training camp, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, we're, I think we might be scrounging uh, for topics here coming up in the next few pods, but we'll, we'll uh, figure some information out and get you guys some stories. Yeah, maybe some position previews and breakdowns and, um, yeah, and, and, and just honestly just covering a lot of topics around the league. I mean, while the Giants and Jets might not be in the headlines every week, we're, we're going to get some from the NFL every Absolutely. single week. It's, it's a new surprise, whether it's Aaron Rodgers getting traded or, or, or maybe Eli anything, coming anything. back in the NFL. I was kidding. I think that that could happen. Bring them back. Bring them back. So, with that being you said, never know, I mean, you never know in this league. You, you're right. You never know. Look at Brett Favre. So, with that being said, I believe that brings our episode, third episode, to a close. So, as always, to our millions of fans, please. Tell your friends, family, co-workers about the pod. Stay safe, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.